this morning. Uh, I'm really thrilled about what we're going to be talking about this morning. This is something the Lord has had on my heart for a long time. Oh, I also want to mention, hey, uh, welcome those who are listening to us live on Crossover Radio this morning. We, uh, we have uh, begun broadcasting live on Crossover again, so um, welcome radio crowd to the, to the service today. Um, and uh, we're excited to get to share the message with, with, uh, with that audience as well. So um, anyway, so I, I've just been praying over this passage, uh, and we're going to be in, in Judges chapter 6, by the way. We're going to the Old Testament today um, to engage with, uh, with something that the Lord did that was a really amazing and miraculous thing. Not only in the life of a man, but in the life of the entire nation of God. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But I want to ask you a question this morning. What's your greatest fear right now? Let's think about that for a minute. What's your greatest fear right now? You know, um, yeah, here's an interesting fact. Uh, a few years, well, over the years, uh, a, a group has, has done this research on the greatest fear of the average American. You all may, maybe have heard this, this before. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it was Pew Research or Barna or somebody like that. But, uh, but for years, ever since they started this, the greatest fear of the average American has been, you would think it might be like death or something like that, right? But no, it's public speaking. Most people are terrified of public speaking. So, so the reality is most of you in this room right now probably look at somebody like me and think, you are crazy, sir. And, um, and because I like this stuff. I know, I'm weird. Um, but, uh, but for years, that's, that's been the thing. Um, and and uh, recently, those trends have started to change, but I always thought that's interesting. So maybe for some of you this morning, uh, you're, you're, you know, the idea of speaking in front of people is just terrifying to you. Uh, maybe it is death. Maybe, maybe you think about death and that scares you. Uh, maybe it's the political climate in the world right now. I mean, you wouldn't be wrong from feeling, from feeling a little um, anxiety about what's going on in the political climate in the world today. Um, what about the growing godlessness in the world today? I think a lot of Christians look at the way things are going, and it's just kind of scary, you know. We wonder where are things going to be in the next forty or fifty years, and uh, and you know, me being a man in my mid thirties, like I actually think about those things. I'm like, man, Lord, I don't know um, what's what's going to happen, especially for our, our children, you know. Um, Maybe it's coronavirus. Maybe today you're just, you're paralyzed because you, you turn the news off, people. You know what I mean? Um, because they're, they're just trying to get you to watch and they're just trying to scare you. Um, but, but it could be a variety of things. You know, it could be pers some personal issue you're dealing with right now. And you're just terrified. You're just afraid of that today. I, I imagine everybody comes into this room and there's something that we feel that's just pressing on us that we're either anxious about or we're scared about it. Or, or just, it could be, be a variety of things. And I imagine it's different for, for each person in this room. But let's, let's, let's continue thinking on this train of thought. Do you ever just feel defeated? Maybe, maybe that's that, that thing that you're afraid of or that, that you're anxious about, and you just feel defeated by that thing today. Do you ever feel like maybe the best you can do is just prepare for the worst? Right? Do you ever feel like everything is hopeless and, and really you should just give up and maybe become a doomsday prepper in Colorado or something, you know? Um, you ever, did you ever feel that way? 
I remember once, and this was years ago now, I was in college, um, and I had just been wrestling with the Lord over some things. And, and, and let, me, let me just frame this to you guys. I, uh, I've, I've told you many times, I am a church kid, right? Grew up in church, been around the church my entire life. I'm one of those that, you know, I was, I was, I was uh, in the church nine months before I was born, you know, thanks mom. Uh, I do appreciate that. But, um, the, you know, she didn't play the organ or anything like, you know, some people talk about. If, if Mom, if you had been an organ player, I would have been even more, I mean, probably of a church kid, you know. Um, but, uh, but, but, but my parents were faithful. They, they brought us to church. They taught us the, the, the ways of the Lord. So I grew up in that environment. I'm, I'm steeped in that environment. And that's really all I ever, I've ever known. But uh, with that, for a lot of people who grew up in a church environment comes oftentimes a, a, a sort of a legalistic spirit. Now, maybe not necessarily towards other people, but certainly towards yourself. Uh, I remember thinking, whenever I messed up, that I was just such a sorry Christian. I was so terrible. I, so, so, of course, being human, I had some sin patterns in my life. I don't know about you guys. Uh, but I, and I still have some sin patterns, patterns in my life that I am wrestling with the Lord. But in those days, I didn't understand the grace of God particularly well. And so whenever I would mess up, I would just beat myself up for undue amounts of time. I would never tell anybody about it. Occasionally it would come out. I would go to one of my pastors and be like, I'm just in agony over this. Like, I need to confess this sin, and I need you to tell me if I'm actually a Christian. <laughs> I remember having that conversation with, my, with, my, uh, with, with, with a couple of my pastors on multiple occasions. Um, I was baptized at least three times. At least three times, because uh, every time I was like, okay, I hope this one takes. Maybe I'll actually be different now. And, uh, and so I remember I had gotten to college, and I was 18 years old, and I thought, by now, Lord, shouldn't I have this together? I mean, I've been walking with you for all these years. I got, the first time I got baptized, I was like seven. And then I got baptized again when I was like 14, and then again when I was like 17. And, and, and I'm like, Lord, three baptisms, and I don't feel like I'm there yet. What's going on, you know? I've been about as religious as you possibly can be. I've, I've, I, I, I knew God's word. I, I, I was committed. Even then, I was just committed to studying the word. To, I was committed in prayer. Uh, I, I, all of the external factors was like, Lord, I, I really feel like I should be getting there by now. And I was just in despair. I remember being in my dorm room. My, my roommate had moved out because, you know, some people just can't handle college. And, uh, and so I had a dorm room all to myself that semester. It was the greatest thing ever, by the way. Uh, I had set up a little game station with my GameCube. Yeah, GameCube. And uh, my Nintendo 64. It was, it was a good place, you know. Um, and uh, I still have those, by the way, if anybody wants to come play uh, at my house sometime. But... Uh, but, but I remember, I remember just, just in that room, and I remember I felt like I was all by myself. I mean, really. You ever, you ever just feel really alone about something? I just felt so alone. I was like, Lord, why, why don't I hear you? I'm really struggling over here. I'm, I'm wrestling with doubts, and I'm just feeling hopeless. And I had picked up a book recently by John Piper. The book was called Don't Waste Your Life. I started reading through this book, and in the thing, you know, Piper's really encouraging, hey, you know, um, pursue the Lord, pursue holiness, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And uh, I really didn't have a lot of understanding about what this meant to really walk by the Spirit. I knew how to be religious because I'm a church kid, okay? And it's not bad to know the things of religion. By the, by the way, the Bible never says that religion itself is bad. True religion is a good thing because it puts our focus on Christ. But, but, but we have to be building on His grace, and we can only do it if we walk by the Spirit. And I didn't really understand that. My three baptisms didn't teach me that. My, um, all of my years of learning the Bible didn't teach me that. The only one who could really teach me that was the Holy Spirit. And he had been sowing into my life for years. But in that moment, I was so afraid that, I, you know, my fear was that I wasn't really in Christ. That all these things that I had done, and I had somehow missed it. And I was even afraid that, Lord, have I somehow blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Hey, I mean, come on. Like, some of you guys, I'm sure, have had this struggle before, right? Where, where I just, like, I knew the Bible so well I could talk myself into, into really thinking I'd really blown it, you know? Um, but my faith, my, my faith was not in Christ, ultimately. I was a Christian. There's no doubt. I, I had, I'd believed the gospel. I know, I'm, I know that I was saved, Okay. Uh, now I'm certain of it. I, in fact, I, now I know I was saved when I was seven years old um, because I know the Spirit was the one who stirred me to repent and believe the gospel. But, but, um, but at, at that time in my life, when I was 18 years old, and the Lord started to speak to me, and I started to realize that it wasn't about me. It was not about me. It wasn't about my effort. Not to say that my effort was bad, but my effort was misplaced. You see, I had made, even though I had trusted Christ as my Savior, I had turned to myself to finish the process. And we've spent a lot of time talking about this over the past few months. We, we, I mean, we preached through the whole book of Galatians, you know what I mean? Like, that's what the whole book's about. You know, have you started by the Spirit, are you now going to finish by the flesh? No, of course not. But that's what I was trying to do. And so my life, my Christian life, was powerless because I was trying to do it in my own strength. I felt defeated. And it wasn't until I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit where God showed me His grace in a profound new way. And he, I, I can't explain it. God flipped a switch in my heart one day. I was in my dorm room, and I just felt free. I just felt free, and, and I felt the love of God. I felt His grace and His mercy. And all the things that I had learned growing up started making sense to me in a new way. I want to ask you, have you ever had that kind of an experience with God? Have you ever had that kind of experience where, where, where it's like His love and His mercy just comes upon you in a fresh new way? And I'm not talking about your, your experience of salvation, like when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm talking about a time when you were filled with the Holy Spirit and the gospel made sense to you deep down inside, not just in your head. Not just a profession of faith, but I mean a deep-seated implantation of faith in your heart. Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5, don't be full of the things of the world. This is my paraphrase. Don't be full of the things of the world, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. I think the reason why so many Christians in our world today struggle to live a Christian life and struggle to be a witness for Jesus and struggle to do all these things that we're talking about is because they are not full of the Holy Spirit. They've made a profession of faith. 
and that's great. They've been baptized, that's great, okay? I think a lot of people are on their way to heaven, but they're not full of the Spirit. And we've got to get to a place where we are full of the Spirit if we want to make an impact for God in our world, if we want to have victory over our sins. So let's take a look at the life of a man. And by the way, if if you find yourself struggling and feeling like you just can't overcome and you feel defeated, you're not alone. I would say pretty much every one of the heroes in Scripture had a moment like that where they felt defeated and they felt broken until the Holy Spirit overshadowed them. See, everybody has to have that kind of an encounter with God if we want to be victorious. Because our strength never was in us to begin with. Let's, let's take a look at, at the life of Gideon. This is in Judges chapter 6. And, and let's just set the stage for a minute because what was happening at the time, it was, it was just a rough time. You think it's bad now here with, with you know, the crazy politics and, and with coronavirus and all these things that we're facing today. Try being in a situation where you are being so oppressed by a country that you were supposed to have utterly defeated previously, but you didn't. But now you're so oppressed by them, and they're dominating you to such a degree that you barely have enough food to take care of your family. That was the situation that was facing the people of Israel. In verse 6 of of Judges chapter 6, it says, Israel was so severely weakened by Midian that the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Now, uh, here's the thing. The, The scripture here tells us the reason why they were being oppressed by Midian was because they turned their hearts away from the Lord. They'd stopped believing that God was who he said he was. And so they were now producing fruit as if they were a different kind of tree than the kind of tree God declared them to be. Remember, Jesus said a tree will be known by its fruit. So if we start producing worldly fruit, then we've, we've, we've become the wrong kind of tree. But Jesus has declared that we're a different kind of tree, right? So if you, if you look at your life and you find that you're producing worldly fruit, Part of the problem is usually that you're not believing who God said you are in the first place, in Christ. And Israel, even though they were the chosen people of God, they had believed that they were the wrong kind of tree. They had not believed that they were the people of God. They believed that they had to go and, like Adam and Eve, reach out and grab for themselves what they wanted instead of having faith and trust in God. And that always leads to destruction. And so God, in his mercy, allowed the people of Midian to oppress them. Now, you you may say, that doesn't seem very merciful for God to allow a people to oppress them. And people died, and there was famine, and it was difficult. That doesn't seem very merciful. But understand that God was trying to get their attention. And he knew the only way that they would listen is if they went through a trial. And so God wasn't going to allow his people, Israel, to have their way in their sins forever. And I believe that probably there are some people in this room right now who have experienced the chastisement of the Lord. And maybe you're in the middle of it right now because you've embraced a lifestyle that is opposed to Christ and God does not want you to be destroyed. And so he's allowed a trial to come into your life for a moment so he can shake you loose and get your attention again. And maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe that's why he brought you into this place to hear this message and to be shaken loose and to return to him again. To be full of the Holy Spirit. See, Israel didn't cease being God's people. They just ceased acting like God's people. And he had to get their attention. 
And so when they finally came to the end of themselves and they started to cry out to the Lord, the Lord said, I will deliver. Okay, so um, he, he reminded them in verse 7, he says, this is, this is what the Lord, your God, the God of Israel has said. I brought you, sorry, this is verse 8. I brought you up from Egypt and took you out of that place of slavery. I rescued you from Egypt's power. And from the power of all who oppressed you, I drove them out before you, and I gave their land to you. And I said to you, I am the Lord. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living, but you have disobeyed me. So God reminds them of what he did for them, reminds them of who they are. But he says, you're not acting like my kids. Right? And God will not allow his children to live like godless children. He wants to make sure we're on the right road. Because he doesn't want us to go to our destruction. He doesn't want us to fall into sin to the point where we're destroyed. So then, then this really cool thing happens. Like, so they cry out to the Lord. God reminds them, hey, this is why you're being oppressed. Then God shows up. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree in Orpah, owned by Joash the, the Abizarite. He arrived while Joash's son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press so he could hide it from the Midianites. Okay, so let's, let's just talk about this for a minute. Let's talk about where we find this guy Gideon. First of all, he's threshing wheat. That, that's not such a strange thing, right? I mean, you know, we don't really understand this process because we go to Walmart and we buy flour, you know. But, um, but, uh, but in those days, they had no Walmart or Crest or Aldi or anything like that. Um, they, uh, and you can insert your favorite grocery store. Please don't be offended if I didn't mention it. Um, but, but, but they didn't have those places like we, like we're a really blessed society. If you wanted flour, you had to go get your grain. You had to, you had to literally thresh the grain. You had to take the grain out of the stalks before you could even grind it. You want to talk about making bread from scratch, you know, like we don't even, like we're like, yeah, I made it from scratch, but you bought the flour. I bet you didn't pound that flour out yourself, you know. You didn't use a mortar and a pestle to like, you know, or, or a cow to, to go stomping all over it. And so this, this was not that unusual, but what is unusual, you notice he was, he was threshing out grain at a wine press, now, why would you thresh out grain in a wine press? That's weird. That's normally where you squish the grapes, not where you thresh out the grain, you know. Well, the reason most likely was because the threshing floor where they would normally do this would have been in a more public place, so he was trying to hide. Um, the other reason is because it was an incredibly meager amount of grain. It wasn't big enough to have to use the threshing floor. And we know that because he was actually using like a flail. He was using just a hand tool to thresh this grain out instead of using a ox, which is what they would normally do, that would turn this, this threshing uh, floor and would actually sift out the, the wheat or the barley or whatever it was. So he was doing this by hand. It tells you it was a small amount, and he was trying to hide it from the oppressive government. So these are all going on at the same time. So uh, we, we definitely see a man who is in hiding, who's trying to conceal what he's doing from the government, from those who are in charge. So, um, so the Lord, it says the Lord's spirit, oh, sorry, that's the wrong verse. I'm going to go back a little bit more. Um, it's, it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, courageous warrior. Don't you love this? 
This is one of my favorite lines in Scripture because here we have a guy who's hiding, essentially. Right? He's hiding. This, this guy's not fighting the battle. He's trying to hide from the oppressors. He's, now, this guy's not lazy, right? He's trying to take care of his family the best as he possibly can, but he's not what we would look at and say model of bravery, right? He's hiding. He's trying to conceal what little he has from the oppressive government. And, uh, and, and a lot of scholars think that they were hiding out in a cave somewhere near where this wine press is. So this, this, is, this is the guy, okay? And the Lord shows up to this dude who's hiding, trying to conceal what he's doing, and he says, you courageous warrior. I love that. This is important because we need to realize that God's declaration over us is not dependent upon our current situation, but upon what the Lord sees in us. So you may be, you may be thinking of yourself right now, that, boy, I'm just feeling weak, and I'm, I'm feeling like I can't pursue the Lord the way that He desires me to. You may, you may feel like it's impossible. Let me tell you something, though. The Lord sees your potential in Christ. He sees who you could be. If you, were, if, you, if, if you had repented and believed the gospel, and then you had been filled with the Holy Spirit, he sees what could happen. Because, listen, here's the reality for those of us who are believers. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, He who knew no sin became sin for us, so that we might become his righteousness. Now, I don't think that God speaks and doesn't mean it. When God says that we might become His righteousness, He's serious about that. What He's saying is it's possible. It's the potential is in you through Christ to become righteous as Christ is righteous because Christ became a humble servant and was crushed in your place. You see, He became your sin and my sin on that cross. And because He became our sin on that cross, He is now bought the right to elevate us to his place of righteousness. It's the great trade. And so when God looks at you and me, he doesn't see the broken down sinner that we may be in that moment, but he sees a human being whom he loves, who bears the image of God, although it may be a very tarnished tarnished image of God, but he sees in us the potential of redemption through Jesus Christ. It's hard for us to think that way sometimes because so oftentimes we only see what's right in front of us. But so here was this man, Gideon, hiding, and God says, you courageous warrior. I think there are probably some people in this room today and maybe listening on the radio who may need to hear the voice of the Lord speak over you. You courageous warrior. Not based on your situation, but based on who you can be in Christ. So God calls Gideon, right? This is, this is an amazing thing. Calls him a courageous warrior. Gideon said, pardon me. I love this. Pardon me. But if the Lord is with us, why has such disaster overtaken us? Where are all of his miraculous deeds our ancestors told us about? They said, did, did the Lord not bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. You see, Gideon had bought into the cultural narrative of his day, hadn't he? And by the way, this is what got them into trouble in the first place because they started asking this question, eh, did the Lord really save us? 
Is the Lord really who he said he is? You see, because if, if they would have had faith in the Lord and what God had done, they would not have gone back to sin in order to find fulfillment in sin. They would have continued on the path of righteousness that God set them on when he rescued them out of slavery. But yet, this is the same people that they were in the desert, and they were like, hey, we, Moses, we need meat. We should have stayed slaves in Egypt. Like, yeah, you know, I, I love their, uh, their argument with Moses. Hey, the meat was free back there. We got fish for free. And Moses was like, yeah, but you were slaves. <laughs> you know, of course the meat was free. You were slaves. You know what? They, they were they were. They were Working you to death and then feeding you meager portions. But yeah, you had meat, but you were in slavery. Now you're free. And see, they, they couldn't see their freedom. They were still bound up to their slavery and sin. And, and, and there's the same mentality creeping back up. As people are like, man, I don't know if the Lord is really who he said he was. And when we heard these stories, our grandfathers told us these stories. But I don't know if we really believe it. I hear that all the time today. It's not like this is an, a problem that doesn't still exist. I, I hear people all the time say, I don't know if God really does those things that he used to do. I don't know if, really, I don't know if God really comes in power anymore. I don't, I don't know if the Spirit really empowers people like he did for the apostles. And I'm just over here like, if God hadn't intended for us to live in that power, why would he have commanded us to live in that power in Scripture? Right? I mean, the Bible says, earnestly desire that you may prophesy. And do not forbid speaking in tongues. Scripture commands us to be walking by the Spirit and ministering in the Spirit. And God would not have put that in Holy Scripture if he did not intend for us to be pursuing those things today. Does God still work the way he always did in the past? Yes. He always has. I read the stories of Charles Spurgeon, that great British pastor who would prophesy from the pulpit and call people's sins out, and they would repent right on the spot. He didn't call it prophecy because that, that was one of those words people were afraid of back then, but that's what was happening. He just called it revelations. Really, These are little revelations from the Lord. I hear stories of Jonathan Edwards. I read the stories of, of Jonathan Edwards was preaching and people would just be absolutely floored by the Holy Spirit. And they wouldn't be able to get up for two or three days. But when they would rise up, they would repent and they would never be the same. Because the Spirit intervened. I hear the stories of John Wesley, of people who were overcome by the Spirit and spoke in languages they did not know. I hear the stories of of, of the revivals of the 1900s and how God came down on the people in ways that they were not prepared for. I, I heard the stories, but do I believe the stories? And I think we all need to ask that question. Do we, we've heard the stories from our fathers. We've read the stories of the Puritans and how they were filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and to, the, to the extent that they would not submit to the, to the, to the rulers of Britain that told them to live in ways that were contrary to the gospel. I've read the stories of D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great British pastor of World War II, who was filled with the Holy Spirit and who called people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and many were, and the church was radically transformed in his day. I've read the stories of the Welsh revivals and how they were filled with the Spirit. Listen, I just have to believe that God still works that way today. 
And the only reason we aren't experiencing the things that God has promised us today is because we are not in pursuit of Him in the way that they were. We're not ready to receive from Him. We're not desperate enough. You see, in Gideon's day, they had become so desperate, they were ready for revival. Are we ready for revival? Are we ready for the Spirit to infuse fresh wine? Are we ready for a fresh fire, a fresh wind of the Spirit in our day? So what does God say to Gideon? Well, Gideon, in his doubt, you know, proclaims, he proclaims his doubts to the Lord. And, and I love God's response to him. God doesn't respond by kicking him in the seat. The Lord himself turned, that's powerful right there. The Lord, then the Lord himself turned to him and said, you have the strength. Deliver Israel from the power of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now, church, hang on just a minute because I, I remember something that when I was a child, this was pounded into my skull. Not literally, thankfully. But, but this was pounded into my skull. Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Can you not hear the Lord right now? Have I not sent you? You have the strength. You, Christian, have the strength to reach your neighbors, to reach your workplace. And by the way, you have the strength to overcome the sin that has you entangled right now. You have it. How do I know? Because Christ has already won the victory for you. And, and Jesus would come to us today and he would say, have I not sent you? Just like he said to Gideon. Have I not sent you? He has. When Jesus came in, in, in the resurrected flesh to the disciples, he said to them, peace be with you, because they were all freaked out because he just walked through a wall. You know, like how cool is that? Like Jesus just walked through a wall. I mean, do you guys not find that really cool? Like, I find that really cool, okay? Jesus walks into the room through a wall and says, peace be with you, because they needed peace at that moment, okay? But then the next thing he says to them, as the Father has sent me into this world, so send I you into this world. See, we have been sent by Christ to carry on his work. We have been sent by Christ to overcome sin and death in this world, to, to advance his kingdom causes in this world. We've been sent he would say, have I not sent you? Do we believe? i, I got to ask us this question. Each of us needs to think deep into our hearts. Do we believe that we have been sent by Jesus to accomplish his works? Do you believe that Jesus Christ has sent you to overcome the flesh, the sin, the human nature in you that is so difficult to overcome? Do you believe that he has sent you to proclaim the word of God to those who are in distress? The Bible calls it the good news because you know why? It is good news because this world is in distress and desperately needs to hear something positive. All those people who are running to Target to buy all the hand sanitizer, they need to hear the gospel. They need to hear that, that if our life is found in Christ, then even the coronavirus can't take us down. The world needs the hope that we have. And Jesus would say to us, have I not sent you? Go in the strength of yours, Christian. Overcome the sin in your own life by the power of the Spirit, but also help others overcome the sin in their life by the power of the Spirit with this message of the gospel that we've been given. 
And then what does he say? Gideon said to him, but Lord, how can I deliver Israel? He starts doubting again, right? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my family. And the Lord said to him, ah, but I will be with you. You will strike down the whole Midianite army. I don't know if there's a word that we need to hear more than that one. But I will be with you, says the Lord. Do you believe that God is with you? This is a real gut-level question for us today. I want you to ask yourself this seriously. Do you believe that God is with you? With you. Not just with the church. We know he's with the church. We know he is. But do you believe that God is with you to overcome what's in front of you? To do his work around you? We like to say to tend to your garden, right? Who's God put in your life that you are called to make an impact on today? Do you believe that God is with you? I want to point out one more verse of Scripture because we know the story. If we, if we know the Bible very well, you know Gideon went and laid down some, some, some whoopings on the Midianites, all right? Like, like God took the army and whittled it down to 300 people. I love that this dude who's hiding at the wine press just a couple chapters later is whipping up on the Midianites with only 300, you know, people. And they're all, like, people who lap water like dogs. Like, who's bringing the lappers? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not bringing those guys. But that's who the Lord says. That's who Gideon was supposed to take. He went and whipped the Midians with the weirdos, okay? Like, that, that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. The ones who were least expected. Gideon himself was least expected. And the ones he took with him were least expected. But he went and they had no trouble destroying the Midianite army with that few people. It's pretty amazing. But how did Gideon get to that place? Well, we need to look at verse 34. Because here's what it says. The Lord's Spirit took control of Gideon. And he blew a trumpet summoning the Abizarites to follow him. Gideon was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. That's an important point. Because it wasn't Gideon himself that brought this great victory. It was Gideon, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that brought this great victory. So where does that bring us today? We produce fruits that are in line with our roots. So again, if you find yourself producing worldly fruits, you might want to ask, what is your root? Are you planted firmly in Christ? And I would encourage you with this word, you cannot be planted firmly in Christ unless you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Unless we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we will spend our entire lives beating ourselves up, trying to be a good Christian. You see, until you're full of the Holy Spirit, no matter what you do, all it is is just straining and striving. But without the grace of God, you see, we, 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 we in, our own, in our own minds, we're always trying to do the spiritual work in our human nature rather than trusting in the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to take us along. 
I feel like it's important for us to take a look at one more scripture, and these are words of Jesus. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But hang on. We're living in the days after Pentecost. We are living in the days of the Holy Spirit. We call this the church age, but it might be better to call it the, the age of the Holy Spirit. Because this, these are the days of the church empowered by the Spirit, carrying on the works of Jesus. And what did the Spirit, what Jesus say the Spirit would do? He said he would reveal to us Christ. And he would reveal through us to the world Christ. So if you want to have the power to live in Christ and to reveal Christ to others, the only way that that can possibly be accomplished is by being full of the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of us need to hear this good news today. That if you're wrestling and having a hard time finding victory in the Christian life, there is a fullness of the Holy Spirit for all who have believed the gospel and who have been baptized in his name. That if you have not yet received the filling of the Holy Spirit, we want to pray for you today. We want to pray for you today. And, and in fact, I'm going to call our elders to come on up. You know, if Dwight and Richard, if you guys would come up, we're going to, we're going to have an opportunity if you want to be prayed for today. And, and there, there's probably several different people in this room who need prayer. I mean, there are some who are sick and just really need us to lay hands and, and pray for you. There are some, you, you're here and all this was just speaking right to your heart. You have never been filled with the Holy Spirit. And you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, we can't make it happen. But we know that God gives good gifts to his children, and he wants you to be full of the Holy Spirit. So we can pray for you, and then, you know what, at some point, I just firmly believe that if we lay hands on you and pray for you, God's going to do it. He may not do it here. You may be driving home. Hopefully, you'll be able to pull over. Um, but, but, but you'll experience the power of God in a way that you've never experienced the power of God in your life. So do you thirst for the power of God to overcome and to be strong in him today. Do you want to be overcome by the Spirit like Gideon was, to have the power? Then why not come and receive from him today? I'm just going to ask if, if you want to be prayed for, just come on up, come up here. I, I know this is not something we, we, we often do, but I, I just think this is what the Lord wants us to do today. If you want to be prayed for, for anything, whether you're, maybe you're, you're sick and you want someone to pray for you, or, or maybe you, you want to receive the fullness of the Spirit. You want to receive more of Him. Maybe you've experienced Him in the past, but right now you just feel defeated. And you need to experience Him again. We want to pray for you this morning. So come. Don't, don't, don't be shy and don't be worried about what people are going to think. Because if God is offering you an opportunity to receive more of Him today... Why would you not take that? Why would you not take that? We're just going to give people a minute to respond. You've been listening to the New Covenant Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If God spoke to you or if you'd like us to pray for you, you can email Pastor Nick directly 
at nick at newcovenantokc.org. If you'd like more information about our church, you may visit us on the web at newcovenantokc.org. We can't wait to hear from you.